Welcome into the Galloway Podcast, episode 65. I'm your host, William Galloway. Today is Wednesday, January 20th, 2021. And on today's podcast, we're joined by former Alabama men's basketball player Lawson Schaefer. He'll join the program shortly to discuss the current state of Alabama basketball as the Crimson Tide continues to roll after a big win on Tuesday night in Baton Rouge. The Crimson Tide won by 30 over Will Wade and the Tigers. An absolutely dominating performance. We'll hear from Lawson about his thoughts on the current team in Tuscaloosa. Nate Oates and his guys riding an eight-game win streak. What has been able to allow them to have so much success. We'll talk to Lawson and get the scoop on that. We'll start with what's new, talk with Lawson, and then as we always do, we'll end up with Around Alabama Athletics. Thank you so much for joining the Galloway Podcast. want to remind everybody that the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. So let's get things rolling here on episode 65 in What's New?, Philip Fulmer has retired from Tennessee. Jeremy Pruitt has been fired. And reports of Tennessee recruits, among so many allegations around that program, receiving cash in McDonald's bags. Now, you want to talk about a Happy Meal. Imagine opening up a McDonald's bag, expecting a quarter pounder with cheese, and you get a quarter of a million dollars. Could you imagine that? Well, in all seriousness, Tennessee is a dumpster fire right now. Philip Fulmer stepping down amongst Jeremy Pruitt's firing, saying it's kind of connected, but it's kind of not. Just just get out of here, man. Just go on about your life. Don't involve yourself in these matters. Don't make things any worse than they already are. Up in Knoxville, Tennessee is just not doing well. Jeremy Pruitt might end up back in Tuscaloosa. That was my initial reaction, initial thought to his firing, but he was not expecting a firing. He was not expecting just a couple days ago to not have a job as a head coach in the SEC. I'm sure he'll end up with some money. There's rumors of Jeremy Pruitt receiving no money based off of his contract and there being ongoing investigations and things like that. So we're currently kind of in the heat of all the mess of Tennessee. And to make things worse for the Vols and the people in Knoxville, The basketball team went into Florida last night and got beat by 26 as the number seven team in the country. So a bad time to be from Knoxville, Tennessee and be a Vols fan. But what else is new in the world of sports? 51 coaches. So you want to look at the Jeremy Pruitt firing. That makes 51 coaches in and out since Nick Saban has arrived at Alabama in 2007. Now that's among 13 other SEC teams in 13 years. 51 coaches coaches now it might be that this this excuse me this 51 number is the incoming coach at Tennessee and if that is the case then so be it but regardless that shows Nick Saban's dominance and what he's been able to do in Tuscaloosa completely dominating the SEC establishing a new standard at Alabama and he continues to sit atop the college football rankings now What else is new in the world of sports? Charles Huff was hired at Marshall. The former Alabama associate head coach and running backs coach took the job with the Marshall Thundering Herd over this weekend. A really big congratulations goes out to him. Nick Saban was fired up for him and his family. He was really appreciative in the statement that Marshall released of Huff and the job that he was able to do in Tuscaloosa. So Charles Huff out at Alabama because he was hired as the head coach for the Marshall Thundering Herd football team. The NFC Championship and AFC Championship coming up in the NFC. It's the Bucks at the Packers, the AFC, the Bills at the Chiefs. Those are going to be two good games. Now, 
who am I rooting for? It really doesn't matter. I'm not a big NFL guy. If you've listened to the Galloway podcast, you know that I'll watch it. I don't really keep up with it. I'm not going to pick a favorite. But, you know, it is interesting, kind of in college football, kind of in sports, and especially in the NFL, the rich stay rich. And, you know, the Bills would be the team that people would think at the beginning of the year, oh, they're not going to be in a conference championship. Well, here they are. You know, people expected the Bucks with Tom Brady, of course. Kind of a surprise, not really. People expected the Packers, and of course people expected the Chiefs. So the AFC and NFC Championship coming up. Those should be fun games to watch. Once again, Bucks at Packers in the NFC and the AFC game, Bills at Chiefs. And lastly, in what's new, Don Sutton died just a couple days ago at the age of 75. A baseball legend. Just so sad to hear that news. Don Sutton, really, if you have followed baseball in any capacity in your lifetime. You've heard of him, and very sad to hear of his recent death at the age of 75. So that's it for what's new on the Galloway Podcast. We're going to kick it over to former Alabama basketball player Lawson Schaefer as he joins the program now to discuss Alabama basketball in its current state, his time with the Crimson Tide, and so much more. Here's Lawson on the Galloway Podcast, Episode 65. I'm joined now by Lawson Schaefer on the Galloway Podcast, former Alabama men's basketball player. Lawson, how are you? What are you up to and what's going on? I'm doing great. Uh, thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm really excited. We couldn't have picked I feel like a, a better day to talk about Tide Hoops. I am currently living in Coleman, Alabama. I work some in Coleman and then some here in the Homewood, Birmingham area. I work for a company called Buyers Right. I'm a producer. We uh, we focus on property and casualty uh, insurance. Awesome, awesome. So you're a 2019 graduate, right? So yes, you're sir. over a year out of college. And uh, if you could summarize just in a couple sentences your young adulthood, what's that been like compared to four years of college? What do I need to know? What do fellow seniors need to know about getting into the real world here shortly? Uh, it's it's not nice. It is uh, it's fast paced moving. Um, I recently bought a house and it's gone about as bad as it could. <laughs> and I think everybody can relate to that as a first home buyer. Um, there's hundreds of problems you're going to have trying to get loans, trying to do this and this. And it's just, like I said, the world's not nice and uh, it doesn't get any easier, but you know, you use, I guess what you learn from life and sports to kind of pull yourself up from the boots up and just keep rolling with the punches. Absolutely. Well, you know what is moving fast and is having a lot of success is Alabama basketball. And obviously, uh, we're here to talk about that. So let's jump into it. Immediate reaction. You watched Alabama dominate LSU last night. What was going through your mind as you watched Alabama play what Nate Oates has been trying to build in one and a half years? It was, I mean, honestly, one of the biggest tail wolfings I've ever seen uh, at in any level of basketball. I, uh, I, like I told you earlier, the first six minutes might have been the most dominant basketball I've seen, most lopsided I've ever seen it. Um, I couldn't stop smiling as I was watching the game. It was like, all right, they're going to, you know, they're going to cool off here. And it's like every single guy was just making it rain. And it, you know, nothing against Will Wade, but. You know, he's my friend now. You got to be, you got to tread lightly. Yeah, great situation. You know, um, I, uh, I'm not going to say anything negative, but it, it was a good game. Yeah, it was, a, it was a sweet win. I could tell we waited for the players to come out afterwards. They were all fired up, and Coach Oates was happy, and 
uh, with the handful of Alabama fans that were in Baton Rouge were fired up. And I knew people back home, Tuscaloosa throughout the state were fired up as well. When you think about this team uh, and you think about your playing days, how much would you have liked to enjoy playing? And of course you had a great four years for coach Avery Johnson. Um, but this system that he runs, Nate Oates runs, it's so different. And he is faithful to what he said in his opening press conference of wanting to play fast. And you've played a lot of fast basketball before. How much would you enjoy playing for a guy like him in a system and the product that they're putting on right now? I would have loved it. It would have been right up my alley shooting deep threes. Um, it's just one of those things, though. It's, it's a system. And me and Riley Norris actually had the opportunity to practice with them. They kind of were short on numbers. And we practiced with them after, I guess, our season ended after that Norfolk State loss. Uh, he gets hired and, you know, things are moving quick. So uh, Petway actually texts me and Riley. He's like, hey, can y'all come practice with us just for one day? Well, we learned real quick what that system looked like and how intense the practices are. They're very competitive. Me and Riley Norris walked out of there drenched in sweat. Um, and we, uh, we pretty much made up every excuse to not come back the next day. And Coach Oates was like, guys, we need y'all. We're like – you know, coach, the career is over with. We don't gain right. anything. Yeah, this. I'm not getting an NBA. I'm not doing anything like that. Yeah, we were we were actually hanging out by the pool, and we're like, there's just so many other things we'd rather be doing. But we uh we practiced for probably I think it was probably two weeks with them, and they were intense, hard practices. And it was really cool though to see on fir firsthand that system that he kind of was putting in place and. The way he practices, it just it's such a flow, and it was really cool to see because and you see the product. I mean, the product is in front of you. You see how hard they work, how well they shoot, and it's just the way they practice. It's it's not magic. It's not luck. It's it's what they do every day. And so, if you want to look at look at it from that perspective, you can talk about maybe the ingredients. And if you were to make a comparison, what would be the ingredients of this team? Whether it's player personnel, whether it's something they do and how they move the ball, maybe a drill they run in practice. What is the it factor that allows them to be now the number 10 team in the net versus an unranked Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina team? What does Alabama have that these other teams don't? I think they're trusting one another more than anything. I think they're really saying, you know what, that's not a bad shot. I see you make that all-time practice. I'm not going to hang my head either if I miss the shot. I trust myself. I trust my teammates. Uh, the coaching staff trusts me. I trust them. Everybody's kind of leaning on one another now instead of pointing the finger sometimes and saying, you know what, like that's on you. No, it's on all of us if something happens. We're, we're a unit. We, we trust one another. We're in this together. And I think that Western Kentucky game really opened their eyes. Um, they didn't want to go down the road that, you know, sometimes we've been on the last probably five or six years where we have all this talent and then sometimes we just can't pull it together. But they, uh, they really kind of – that's one thing you got to say about this team. They really pulled together when they could have just sat, you know, and moped and groped about things. Right. 11 or 12 and three now overall, seven and oh in conference play, riding an eight game win streak. When you look at the slate, this first seven games in conference play, you probably would have said, well, I'll give Alabama four and three, five and two, just based off how things go in the past, like you just mentioned. In your wildest dreams, would you have seen a 7-0 start, an eight-game win streak, given at Kentucky, at Auburn, games like they've been playing to start off SEC in 2021? No, I, I honestly – I I mean, honestly, no. Just because it's so hard to win at those places, too. Not that we don't have the talent. We weren't, Auburn is a tough arena. And I know with Corona and everything, but still a very tough place to play. You're traveling. You, 
you know, people don't understand you got so much school still going on. And even at Rupp Arena, we saw how that second half started at Rupp. Those refs got uh, real tender on the whistles on our end. So it's, uh, it's one of those things It's tough to win at those places. So for those, the, them to go out and get those two wins at Auburn, at Kentucky, it just it speaks volume to how well we're playing right now. And this stretch, while the challenges, the big challenges are over, Alabama's kind of over that initial hump, you know, Mississippi State coming up, mm -hmm. Kentucky at home. What does Alabama have to do to continue doing well? Because as a competitor, you know as well as anyone that you don't just stop once you get where you want and they're playing the way they want to play right now. How do you keep going and stay hungry to keep getting more wins? I think you just got to keep that focus. If they, if they keep that chip on their shoulder that they haven't won seven in a row, they – if they can keep in the back of their mind how it felt after that Western Kentucky game, I don't think, there's nobody stopping them right now. The only thing that can stop them themselves. Um, I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but John Petty had this look in his eye last night that he was on a mission. He wanted to bust LSU's tail. And it was he, – he put it all out there. He let them know from the get-go that this game meant something to him personally. And I don't know what it was personally, but it was uh, – he had Vendetta out, and he uh, he looked for blood that game. Uh, they were looking for blood, I feel like, all of conference play. They've hit <laughs> that stride, and they, they're not slowing down. I mean, who would you say right now is – and I'd say it's Josh Primo, but maybe the unsung mm -hmm. hero. They're guys that are playing so well. Primo shot the lights out last night. Quinterly shot the lights out against LSU last night as well. Who's your guy? Because everyone knows Petty is leading this team right now mm -hmm. offensively, even in the locker room. Who's your guy that's the unsung hero or somebody that's playing a role that's bigger than just putting up points on the board? I would hands down say Alex Reese. The guy gets so much baggage on Twitter and everybody's always saying he's, you know, not playing hard, not doing this. Well, you're talking about a senior that could probably transfer to start of the year and go on and play big minutes. He's kind of taking a back seat to some things and his playing level has actually increased drastically. He's, all over the boards right now. Um, I don't know exactly his shooting numbers, but I know he's still not afraid to take shots and he makes shots. So, I mean, you look at that and a guy that's flying in for rebounds, he had that incredible block against Ole Miss. His defense has really picked up and he's a, a senior, like I said, that could just sit at the end of the bench and say, you know what, this, this isn't what I thought it was gonna be, but instead he's saying, I'm gonna force Coach Oates' hand to play me. And it goes back to that point you were making of having your teammates trust each other and trust him to make those shots because sometimes he'll shoot one and even I'll say, oh, that's not the best shot in the world. But his ability, the way he stretches the floor, the way he plays the game, while it might not be a high percentage shot, it's a decent look and it's something yeah. that Alabama can live with. And so he's not shooting those to get his. He's doing it to play his role as part of the team. Let's go back to your playing days. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, four years under Avery Johnson before, uh, beforehand you were at Coleman. Uh, walk us through the process, and a lot of people know your story, but of coming to Alabama and then kind of how would you summarize your four years playing as a walk-on in your role with the Crimson Tide? So I grew up a, a big Auburn fan. I remember we went to the national championship game when uh, Cam Newton beat Oregon, or I say Auburn beat Oregon, really Cam Newton carried that team. Um, and I had, I was been dating this girl for forever and she was going to Alabama and I had so many buddies going to Alabama. And I was like, I grew up really watching Alabama basketball because the drive from Coleman to Auburn is a little long for a, just a two hour game. So dad always took me to a bunch of Alabama basketball games. And I was like, God, I love, I love Coach Johnson when I met him. 
He's a, he was great. He's still great. Um, Bruce Pearl was a great meet too. I mean, it was like he has this character about him, this charisma that you, you fall in love with, same way with Coach Johnson. And it just my options of going to Alabama with the people outweighed the people I knew going to Auburn. And so that's really what it came down to. And I thank God every day I went to Alabama. Um, I know that a lot of people will be like, well, you should have played this and this. But I always like, well, there's another look to that where I wonder if I did play a lot and I didn't turn out to be that good. And everybody's like, why is, why is that kid in the game? So there's, there's two outlooks on that. And so, you know, I, I'm on the, the – obviously the better outlook where people say, well, you should have played more. Well, we don't know if I should have played more because I didn't. So it's, uh, it's I kind of the draw of two, two options on that. But I, uh, I don't regret at all walking on. I uh, never thought, man, I wish I would have gone and played somewhere smaller just because four years for me for basketball was going to end at some point, whether I went here and there. And the, the ceiling was a limit of playing college basketball. So it was uh, a great four years. I met some of the best guys I've ever been around. Coach Johnson was great to me and my family. All the assistant coaches treated me like I was just like the scholarship people. So it was – I always recommend people, if you get the opportunity to even walk on a big school like Alabama or something, take it because you will not regret it. You only regret it if you don't try something. Absolutely. And kind of the uh, the way things went, you were there all of Avery Johnson's years, and then to the very end, you were there for the transition. Uh, you mentioned, you know, Coach Oates and Coach Johnson both being great character guys and likable. Talk about the transition from a guy – from Coach Oates to Coach – excuse me, Coach Johnson to Coach Oates, as a guy who just wrapped up playing, and you said earlier that you got a little bit of practice time with Coach Oates helping those guys out, what was that transition like for seeing somebody you were close to and Coach Johnson headed out, uh, knowing his son, obviously, Avery Jr., really well, but and hearing things about Coach Oates and seeing firsthand the, the transition period? It hurts a little bit just because you feel loyal to that coach and you don't want to feel like you're doing something wrong by still appreciating the university because it is it, – it ultimately it's a business, unfortunately, at the end of the day. And so I think Coach Johnson's time was great at the University of Alabama. I don't think he has any bad blood with the University of Alabama. I think he brought so much to the table and showed how well we could recruit on a national scale. And I don't think we'd have got that unless he came here, honestly. He opened the door to so many – opportunities and I know that a lot of people might not see it but the people that understand the recruitment process they do see it and so that's what should matter and I think seeing Coach Oates come in it was one of those things where everything happened so fast you really didn't have time to form kind of an opinion on anything it was like Norfolk State game happened and the next thing you know we blinked and it was a change of everything but his transition in has been nothing but great I know He's done a great job as well as recruiting. It's been really, really fun to see um, on that side of it. And then the product that he's put out there has been just tremendous. I think even last year we had so many guys banged up. And, I, you know, I got to go watch him play at Auburn. And to me, even though we lost that game, it was probably one of the most fun basketball games I've ever watched. Which the 22 is the threes? Yeah. Yes. It was honestly one of the best games you know, Auburn would be rocking in there, and then all of a sudden we just hit some cold three, and the whole place would just sit down. And you're just like, yeah, like this. Is, <laughs> it was it was just so back and forth. It was it was really fun to watch. So I've enjoyed it. Um, obviously, I still wish if you know Coach Johnson, him and his family, the best. Uh, me and AJ still talk almost every day, 
And uh, like I said, wish him nothing but the best. And I, I'm sure he still roots for Alabama to do great things as well because that's kind of a, the guy he is. Absolutely. He was really nice to people in and throughout the state. I remember meeting him at a speaking engagement at the Birmingham Tip-Off Club. Uh, Lawson, want to ask you now about just kind of some quick hitters. Um, in your four years at Alabama, I think most fans would say their favorite moment was your behind-the-back pass to Giddens in the tournament. I mean, that, that, that is kind of mm-hmm. obvious. Um, but your, I want to go through your favorites here. So your favorite shot. Okay. Favorite shot. I would probably say, I think it was my sophomore year, we were playing Ole Miss. And one of the assistant coaches came at me. He's like, you're going to play tonight. You're going to get first half reps. And I, I immediately started sweating, thinking, oh, gosh. Like, please don't let me mess up, God. Please help me. So, you know, check in. And I they're in that one-three-one zone that they were running. And I hit a three on the wing. And I just remember thinking, like, finally I've done something actually that means something. Like, this isn't uh, – we're down 30, we're up 30. Like, this is actually going to hopefully help us go. And I think we got on a little run. I remember finding Braxton underneath, and he dunked it. And it's almost called a quick timeout. Even though it was a little 5-0 run, but the crowd was just going crazy. And it was like – I'm just glad to actually help the team for once. It was one of those yeah. things. You know, we went on to win that game, thankfully, and it was just one of those moments where I was like, finally, small role I got, but it meant a lot to me. Britton Johnson's dad last night called it the, the walk-on rule. He said the rule is 10 points for every minute, and Alabama was up about 30. And so he said, all right, right after the under four, Britton and Tyler should be coming in, so we'll see. But, you know, there are times where you get significant minutes, and uh, whether it's to provide a spark plug, guys get in foul trouble, whatever it is, uh, it's not just sitting at the end of the bench all the time. So that was favorite shot. Favorite game that you remember? Was it the NCAA tournament win? Yes, Virginia Tech game, we were just so locked in. It was one of those moments that's so surreal. You get to the hotel, you've got name tags on everything. Just inside tournament is so official, and you just feel so important. Right when you step off the bus, there's police escorts to the arena, and it was just that game. And honestly, Virginia Tech was a great team that year, too. No one ever really talks about how good that team was with Buzz Williams and them, and it was – John, I mean, all the freshmen stepped up in big ways. It was just one of those games where it was like we had so much momentum after the SEC tournament. And we were really just – I don't know. It was like we really came together, and we really thought that no team was going to beat us. And then, obviously, we run into Villanova, who <laughs> had uh, other plans for us. They, they were all right that year. They were yeah, okay. They, uh, <laughs> they would have probably beat most – uh, bottom tier now, I'm not going to say that because that's, that's not it. Was true. watching them and then going to NBA or looking at NBA draft night, it was like Alabama football. It was like which Villanova player is going to get drafted next. And all the names you heard, of course, you heard Chris Stewart and Brian Passant calling the radio a zillion times because they scored a thousand points against us. But, uh, it was um, funny. We get in the locker room, and you know, uh, is it Dave DiVincenzo, the, the white guy that was Dante DiVincenzo? Dante. Is that right? Yeah, Dante. So he had all those threes the first half, and he's kind of carrying them. And I remember us getting in the locker room, like, if we get him under control, you know, we, we're in this. We, we, we can easily win this game. And that second half started, it was like, wow. All right, him and about five others, if we stop, we'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play eight on five. We'll see how we yeah. can do. I mean, that every guy came out of that locker room for them and was just money from the three-point line, and they were playing like a well machine. And it was just one of those things where – they, 
they were probably the better team. I'm not going to just say that they were the better team, but probably they were, and uh, they played like it that day too. So it was one of those double whammies we got, unfortunately. Yeah. What do you remember from that uh, three-on-five game in Minnesota? Because technically you were ejected, right? Yes, and that was so stupid of me. It wasn't even like I was going to be able to do anything when I ran out there, except if one of those guys would have hit me, I'd probably have left in a, a body bag. So I don't know why <laughs> I ran out there at all it was uh I always joke with people that probably been the most minutes well it would have been but it had been all the minutes I've ever played in my career in that one game so I uh, I really messed up by running out there but it's just one of those reactions you have when you see one of your teammates I don't know if the cameras have really picked up but Minnesota's bench also cleared on their side multiple yeah. of their guys were running out on the court as well so it was one of those things it was just happened so fast reactions took over and then I mean, we all get in the locker room and we're like kind of like slinging chairs a little bit. Like we're all like just so amped up. But we're not like mad. Or like we're just all amped up. Could you up. watch the game? Could you, I mean, could you see the rest of the game? So we started screaming at security to get their TV on. So we're like screaming at security, <laughs> but we can't even get out of the locker room. We're like, turn the TV on, turn the TV on. So we start watching the game and all of a sudden Colin just starts going off. And the whole, I mean, the whole team's just battling and we're like going crazy. Then we see, John get pretty much the Kawhi Leonard rule where the guy stepped under his foot and we're like, I mean, how, how is it not called a foul? I mean, so we're all pissed at that. And then we got days on fouling out and we're like, all right, if we even keep this in between 15. Hey, come, come join the party days on. We're like literally just saying, well, I think days on sale miss, but we see John come to the locker room and we're like, John, how you doing? <laughs> like, we're like, it's like, <laughs> it's like this toss out club. And it was just, it was the craziest game. I remember my phone was blowing up as we're watching the game. It's just like – and then you have the – yeah, You can sit there and, you know, tweet back and respond to people. But oh, That's what I'm saying. We're like live action in our jerseys and stuff watching the game, but on our phone. It was the weirdest ordeal. You got the Iron Bowl going on. That's um, another thing is I was sitting in Auburn, and we were – Alabama was down. Jalen Hurts could not complete a pass to save his life, and – I check my group me and it's like Alabama's playing three on five versus Minnesota. I'm like, ha ha, things can't get any worse than they are right now. I was down in Auburn and uh, they're like, no, look at it. And it was three on five is Alabama brawl. People get ejected. And I was like, Oh my gosh, this is the worst day of college. I don't think it'll, it'll get worse than this. I know it was honestly one of the craziest days. And it was just, and we're in New York. It's just the whole situation. You can't even make it up. I mean, it's, it's something out of a movie. Yeah. Well, two more questions here for you, Lawson. Quick ones. Um, first off, what do you miss most about playing in Alabama? That's tough. Um, really, the camaraderie of, of all the guys just being around everybody, um, the staff, the people that help out. There's so many good people you come in contact with, and you see how hard they work to make the Alabama basketball program go round. Um, it just – it it. And a lot of those people don't get the recognition they deserve. And it's like they work so hard and they're just such good people that you miss the niceness of everybody and just the guys. Even on the worst days, I can remember like going back to our rooms and stuff. And it's like we just – you're always around each other. Like you, you never not around somebody on the team or somebody on the staff. And it's just you miss those people so much because they come like family at the end of the day. People you can rely on, people you tell – 
you know, what happened to you or in the past, you share stories and you just become so close that it's like at the end of it, you, you, you almost have like a piece of you that you lose once you graduate because they yeah. become and so much in life. But still being part of that Alabama basketball family, following up with that, how much communication do you stay with? That was so poorly worded. How do you talk <laughs> to the guys that are still now on the team, guys like Petty, Reese, Herb, that were freshmen um, and sophomores, and even guys that have moved on, guys that have graduated? Yeah. You mentioned Avery. But, like, are you in conversation with Colin? Do you talk with Kyra? I mean, what's that like? See, Colin, you know, I don't really talk to him much. I think of text him on his birthday not too long ago and we'll we'll small talk then Kyra uh talk to him after he got drafted you know just wishing him well um text some of them on like Christmas and stuff I text all the guys in a big group message and wish everybody Merry Christmas Happy New Year hope everybody's doing well you kind of check in on people like that um Days on and Dante, I, I keep in touch with a little bit more. They're my roommates for a little bit. And then Riley, me and him played some men's leagues together, and we uh, we try to get after it. AJ, I'm supposed to be going to see this next weekend in Dallas. Um, we're going to go, I think, watch the Suns and Mavs game. Um, talk to some of the staff today, Clark Holter, who's the uh, medical trainer there. Talk to him. We were sending texts each other about uh, – <laughs> the game last night and um, that's all you try to do is because it, it doesn't take much to reach out to people you want to keep those relationships strong you want to let them know that you still care for them and you know it's it's one of those things that once you do see each other it's like nothing has skipped a beat at all I uh right. I FaceTime John and Herb and Shackleford I think they're all three of them on the phone I was telling them uh mess with them about how much I love them and stuff on Saturday night so it was uh it's fun always seeing them and stuff like that. Absolutely. Well, that is great to hear. Thank you so much for taking time today, Lawson, to come on and share stories. I mean, I love that that three on five. I wasn't even planning on asking you about it, but it makes for some of the best, you know, behind the curtain stories. Uh, and obviously you gave so much and your value was so tremendous, not only to the basketball program, but to the university. So I think I'd speak on behalf of everyone that's seen you play. And I remember – uh, first time I ever saw you, you absolutely cooked Mountain Brook at the Pete Hanna Center in the Steel City. And I was like, golly, Alabama's got to get this guy. Uh, but in all seriousness, thank you so much for all you've done for the university and then also taking time to talk with me today and, uh, and entertain Galloway podcast listeners. Well, you know, I appreciate it. I, uh, I Like I told you, I'm sorry I couldn't get on it earlier, but it looks like we picked a, a good time to uh, finally get this podcast in. And I uh, Look forward to seeing us down the stretch right here and uh, roll tide and hopefully we get it done going to SEC tournament play. Thanks again to Lawson Schaefer for joining the Galloway Podcast, episode 65 here. Really enjoyed that conversation with him. Glad he's doing well and really enjoyed watching him during his four years with the Crimson Tide. Really just kind of feels like yesterday that he was suiting up for Alabama. But anyways, glad he's doing now and really appreciative of him joining the podcast. Tried to get him earlier on in the season, but Alabama football was tying up the headlines and dominating college football. So we're just now getting into exclusively 
really Alabama men's basketball coverage here on the Galloway Podcast, so really thankful that Lawson could join the program. On that note, it's time for Around Alabama Athletics here on Episode 65 of the Galloway Podcast. We'll start with football. In recent news, as of Wednesday, Landon Dickerson has declared for the NFL draft over the weekend. Josh McMillan declined a seventh year with the Crimson Tide. Can you imagine going to college for seven years? Um, if you can relate to that, please DM me on Twitter and let me know. would love to hear your story. But anyways, Josh McMillan declines a seventh year of eligibility with Crimson Tide. He is going to head to the NFL draft among so many other people. And we've talked about, of course, Pat Sertan, Mac Jones, Jalen Waddell, guys like that that we all expected to go pro. And we'll hear from some more guys throughout the coming days. So that is an evolving process. The Heisman Trophy is displayed up in the Mount Moore facility here in Tuscaloosa. Devontae Smith's, there was a picture released just today, I believe, of Devontae Smith's trophy sitting pretty next to Mark Ingram and Derrick Henry's Heisman Trophy. So three now in the Mount Moore facility, three Heisman Trophies looking good as ever. That's Alabama football. We move on to men's basketball. And of course, we just had a long, great conversation with Lawson about the Crimson Tide. Obviously, Alabama 12-3, and 7-0 in conference play on an eight-game win streak, and obviously, as we discussed, big win at LSU on Tuesday night. But you look at what's next for Alabama, and as you know, we kind of alluded to, there's there's been a tough, tough road and tough start for Alabama schedule-wise. Obviously, they've handled it really well, rocking this eight-game win streak. But you look at, you know, if you went back to November and said, you know, you've got Ole Miss, Tennessee, Florida, all at Auburn, at Kentucky, Arkansas at LSU, all these games, you would say, holy smokes, Alabama men's basketball would be lucky to come out 4-4. Four and four. Well, here they are at 5-0, and oh, and it gets a little bit easier. They're kind of over that hump of the first hard part of the schedule. Alabama has got Mississippi State on Saturday at home, followed by Kentucky at home the, on Tuesday the 26th. little SEC break as the Crimson Tide will take on Oklahoma in Norman on January 30th. That's an 11 a.m. tip-off in the SEC Big 12 Challenge and then continuing with SEC play, LSU, Missouri, South Carolina, yada, yada, yada. I'm not going to bore you reading out the whole schedule, but they're kind of over that initial hump, so that's important to note if you're an Alabama men's basketball fan. The women's team is doing well. They're 11-2. They're 4-2 in conference play, and their next game will be Sunday at 1 p.m. versus Auburn. That's in Tuscaloosa. That game will be televised on ESPNU. The gymnastics team is doing well. Also, they are 2-0. Their next meet will be Friday versus Auburn at home in Coleman Coliseum. I believe that one has a 7.30 start time Friday night, Alabama gymnastics. Baseball season opener. The schedule was released just earlier this week. The season opener for the Alabama baseball team will be Friday, February 19th. They have a weekend triple header versus McNeese State. And softball has their season opener at the Texas Classic on February 12th. So softball getting their season a week. Excuse me. Softball getting their season started a week before the baseball team. That is softball on February 12th and baseball on February 19th. That's it for Around Alabama Athletics, and that's going to do it for us here on episode 65 of the Galloway Podcast. Once again, the Galloway Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as SoundCloud. So check out the podcast on those three platforms. Once again, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the podcast, you can contact me on Twitter at WM underscore Galloway. Check out WVUA 23 Sports 
every weekend, Saturday and Sunday night on WVOA23 and WVOA23.com. I've got your sportscast there, and I will have you covered. So thanks again for choosing the Galloway Podcast. Appreciate you listening. Hit me up on Twitter as well if you're looking for any merchandise, and that is going to do it. This is the Galloway Podcast, where there's the right way, there's the wrong way, and there's the Galloway.